Welcome to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast, your source for helping you dominate and insulate your growing practice through two pillars of success, systems and marketing. And now here's your host, Dr. Peter Bolden. Ladies and gentlemen, today I have Dr. Craig Spodak of Spodak Dental. Craig's practice is based in Delray Beach, Florida. Voted one of the most beautiful places to live. Isn't that right, Craig? Yeah, I believe so. Like last year or something you said? <laughs> we got most fun small town in America. That's what it was. Most fun yeah. small town. All right, scratch yeah. that. That's even better than more beautiful, though, honestly. Like fun, fun <laughs> trumps all. Um, yep, it is a beautiful place too, though, Peter. I was reading, you. Well, of course, you're by the water, right? You got you're it, You're in Delray in South Florida, right? So 2012-2013 Business Person of the Year recipient for the Greater Del Beach Delray Beach Community, uh, Chamber of Commerce. You're a lecturer. I know you're a top per- 1% Invisalign provider. You're a third generation dentist. Anything I left out there, pal? No, that's a pretty, that's that's a stellar introduction, man. You're hired. Well, thank, thank you. Uh, I think I, I do need to make the disclaimer on on how, well, not the disclaimer, but the, the backstory of how you and I met. And I'm going to tell the audience here that I kind of was stalking you on uh, on Instagram from a social media aspect. I said, man, this practice is doing it right. And then when I went to your website to say, who is this guy? You know, it's not often, but I literally had like I was green with dental envy. And I said, man, that's awesome. he's doing me better than me. And so I, you know, obviously, we know you and I know how the story evolved. And I was like, I'm just going to reach out to him and see what's what's going on. And, and uh, that's kind of how our friendship is started and uh yeah i'm glad i i'm glad i i'm glad i did because uh and in, in hindsight or, or i should say the backstory too with that is that you said you were kind of doing the same thing in reciprocation I, for years man for years i've been watching you That's That's cool. <laughs> if instagram or facebook had like an ability to see who's sto- who's like visiting your page and trolling you would have had like a restraining creeper, order creeper stat yeah, yeah you would, <laughs> if you would have been the, i would have set off your creeper detector because i just saw what you're doing i'm like geez i gotta learn from that guy you know what I mean? That's like awesome. I looked at the reviews. How are they all 5.0? How, how are you getting 5.0 and 4.8 on Yelp? I mean, you know, how are you doing a fee for service? You know, it, it's, it's intriguing for me. So, um, yeah, I, I've been I'm, – I'm just as uh, green with envy, man. Awesome I, I think that's what's the beautiful thing is that you and I can, you know, we've kind of set the set the tone in the early beginning for just kind of transparent communication between us and, you know, talking about successes and failures and tips and tricks. And I think – Everyone really should have that confidant um, in dentistry. And I think dentistry can be such a lonely profession sometimes if you don't really have someone you can be just authentic with. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. A hundred percent, man. A hundred percent. And I, I like that transparency. Even guys that are local to me. I had a guy that's maybe a mile down the street, wants to build a multi-specialty large office. He's like, you know, would, I, would it be okay if I come by and like check out what you're doing? I mean, who most dentists would literally block them you know, physically from entering. I let the guy come in because you know what? It improves what I think the caliber of dentistry and improves our profession by being open and transparent, learning from each other. And the guy was such a class act. When he left, he, a couple of days later, he sent me like a $100 bottle of wine. He's such a nice guy. I mean, I never interacted with him since. I know his name. I know patients are, you know, come, kind of bopping back in between us. But I, I'm, I just want to elevate the profession. And we can only do that by sharing. You, you can't put up those walls. I think that's probably why, I mean, you live pretty abundantly, I would have to say, just from knowing you, you don't live in that scarcity model that so many of us suffer from in, in terms of like, oh my gosh, there's a dentist down the street or, oh my gosh, you know, there's there's so much to go around in all boats. I think you're one of the, you probably would agree that like, you know, 
a good tide will raise all boats as opposed to, hey, just watch me rise kind of thing. Yeah, it does depend on the week, though, Peter. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> you see your numbers, that, you know, we're all human. And, uh, that is so true, man. I'm just glad you're just raw. I love it. I love it. No, but it's true, man. Like, you know, people, you know, I talk to Dennis, like, man, you don't have, I'm like, you know, I, I, I consult with a couple of dentists. I got off the phone with one last night. He's like, you know, he's like, how's your day today? He says to me, I'm like, you know, it wasn't so great because I had a couple issues at work and it kind of affected me and kind of, I had like a little bit of an emotional, you know, I'm under a microscope, got 52 employees and nine other doctors. So if I, if I'm a little off, everybody's on it, everybody's got radar on me. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I, you know, his name's Dr. Sim. I said, you know, Dr. Sim, it wasn't so great today. And he's like, what are you talking about? You like your bad day is the, is the best day ever. And he's like, he, he thinks he looks at me and he thinks that I don't have those challenges. But, you know, it's we, we have an emotional job and we run late and patients aren't always 100% happy with us. We have team issues. I just think it's really important for everybody to know that we all put our pants on one leg at a time. There's, everybody goes through the same thing. And that's the real transparency. I mean, you can make anything look great on Facebook or Instagram, but you know, we have, we have real lives and real practices and real drama and stuff goes wrong. It's just how we deal with it. Some people get knocked down by it and other people have a a more patient approach saying, this is something for me to learn. There's something for me to grow. This could be good for me. So I think that's the, the key. I think that's a pathologic problem with Instagram and social media as a whole. I mean, you know, obviously people only only put out what they think is like the glamorous and this and that. I'm not even talking dentistry. I'm just saying, you know, little girls or my wife or whatever. And they think that these lives are glorious. But, you know, like you said, like behind the scenes, there's more than going on. So. I, right. I, I think it's yeah. I like that you that you brought attention to that because I think that's important to to recognize that we're all we're all in this together and and we have the same struggles just sometimes at different points in our career so to speak. And you're you know and that's what I want to talk to you today about is kind of like you know you've done scale you know you've scaled your business so well and, and gosh it just so beautifully that that I really want to talk about that today because I think mm. you know. I think the Holy Grail, Dennis loved to say like, I'm going to, I'm growing my practice or I'm going to expand my practice. Cause that, that, you know, denotes that, okay, things have been, I've been successful, so to speak, you know, sometimes sure. they, they contend that right. You know, and some, some dentists that I talked to. So talk about the impetus for, for wanting to scale so mm-hmm. big and from your previous office to the one you have now, which is beautiful. I invite people to go ch- check out his website. Just look at the practice. It's a, you know, a lead certified, just unreal building. Like I have envy for sure. So talk about the impetus for wanting to go from where you were with your father, I think, right. And then to yeah. building, building this new, new, uh, state of the art facility. Okay. So, um, little background, I'm a third generation dentist. So I left Tufts university in 1998 and joined my dad. So from 1998 to 2006, I worked directly for my dad and actually my mom worked the front desk and, uh, it's a very small practice, three or four chairs. We had an appointment book that if two people called at once to make an appointment, we actually physically couldn't do it because you had a book and you had to pencil it in. And, uh, you know, I never realized that I wanted to be a dentist until my dad decided to remodel his office maybe back in 1986. In 1986, my dad, what was it? No, I'm yeah, it was maybe 86 or 88. I can't quite remember. But he went from like a dingy office and he put some wallpaper up and some windows and it kind of ignited this spark inside of my brain that said dentistry could be something totally different. And it got my imagination kind of peaked at that early age. So the impetus to, to do what I did, it was like a, it was a spark in, 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 you know, it was an idea in my head from maybe 15 years earlier than when I did it. 
And I was just kind of waiting for the right time to do it. But I believed when I left dental school, I missed it. I missed the camaraderie I had between different specialists. I missed the fact that we had a lab. And, you know, I, I was envious of the people, our, our medical colleagues that would be at a hospital and be able to, you know, round together and learn together and have that camaraderie because dentistry can get tough. And I wanted that camaraderie with my peers. So the idea behind it was not really truly just a business venture. I actually said to myself, I would rather grow a bigger business. I'd rather have a bigger building with all specialties represented under one roof and make less money then make more money and practice on my own. So I was willing to trade in, you know, success for doing something that I wanted. So it was like one of those things that you and I wanted. Wow, I've never heard that. I didn't really know that. I know you always had a vision for kind of the, 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 the analogy would be kind of a dental hospital where all things are kind of under one roof. But I didn't know that was really the, you, you really sought out that collaboration and that's, and that's awesome. That's really Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. I, I said, you know, the, the new commodity is going to be time. And people are going to want, you know, that's the reason why Target sells groceries and Walmart sells milk now. I mean, people don't want to have to go to multiple places. I could see that shift happening in the retail segment. And uh, I said, you know, dentistry is going to fall right in there. People are going to want it done faster. And, you know, technology is not getting less expensive. And the, the toys that we all want as, as practitioners are, are there. And we could scale. We could use those between several people. So I said, if I want to have the very best service, I want to have the very, very best access to care for patients, and I want all the best technology, I'm going to have to share this. So I said, the only way to do it is to put together a multi-specialty center. So the reason why I built it so big was I did it, I reverse engineered it. I said, I want an oral surgeon here at least, you know, four or five days a week or, you know, three, four days a week. I want an endodontist at least two days a week because I don't want to be the guy that has the itinerant endodontist coming in every once a month. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when someone's in pain, like, hey, chill out on antibiotics for three weeks. Exactly. So I said, how many GPs do I need to keep it all moving? So I actually reverse engineered. I, I started with the end in mind. I said, this is what I want. So how many GPs would I need to fill, uh, feed it? So that's how I came up with the concept. I said, I'm going to need at least five, six GPs to keep the specialist busy. So I built the minimum size, a critical mass to support a model like that. And that's how it, it became. So how big, how big is, is your facility? How many square feet? I think you said 11,000? Square yeah, feet. we're 13,000 square feet. We're 18 treatment rooms. When you look at the room per square foot, it's pretty generous. It's very space generous. And the reason why I did that is because I don't want it to feel too busy. Pardon me, because mm. when, we're, when we're cranking, there's a lot of bodies in here. And I never wanted it to feel like a factory because people are not used to a dental office this large. So the front pod, there's two basic pods. The, the front pod, the northern pod of our building is just all administrative and reception area. So a reception area is probably like 1,400 or 1,600 square feet. has a coffee bar and high tables and iPhone chargers and no phones are ringing. So like when you show up, there might be like you know five or ten people there, but it's very, very big. So what would used to happen in my old office, I had like six chairs in my reception area and people would just get weird, you know, they didn't want to sit next to people. And right. it just, you know, <laughs> so it just it's felt so weird because the, the customer service experience starts before they even get there with your web and all that stuff. But it doesn't start when they meet the first patient. I mean, when they meet the first provider, it starts when they walk in the door. So I just wanted that space generous, like almost like hotel lobby like feel. And that's what I went for. That's, that is great. You know, dentistry can make people feel so uncomfortable, not to mention going to a strange place. And, and, you know, we already know that society, typically people don't like going to the dentist. So I think you're, I mean, 
you're onto something, man. I mean, just keeping people super comfortable and, and not trying to fight the fact that that's our human, human behavior is just to not want to sit like on top of each other. You want to be right. spacious. Like you said, like, a you know, and I think that's cool. You're not fighting, you're not fighting humanity or, or the human, human nature. You're, you're just saying, okay, well, I'm going to build around that. And, and therefore your practice has grown so much by word of mouth, I'm sure too. Yeah. And you I mean, drive like by. So yeah, go ahead. Sorry. True. Sorry. No, it's just um, like, when you think about a hotel lobby, like what's the hotel lobby's use? Like if you think of the nicest, one of the nicer hotels you've been to, there's a massive amount of space. No one's in there. And there's just tons of seating areas. And, you know, you go into a hotel, you're already excited. You're pumped up. You're going with your wife. You're going for a vacation. You're, you're already in a good, you know, state. Your expectations are set on pleasure and happiness. You go into the dentist. It's the antithesis of that. You're like, this yeah. stuff is going to hurt. I don't know who they are. So imagine like, you know, restaurants and hotels spend inordinate amounts of money making people happy when they're already expecting to be happy. And we as dentists sometimes are like, well, I went to Panky, I went, uh, you know, I'm a spear guy. So they don't need, I don't need all, my patients don't need that. My patients don't care about that stuff. You know, they, they come from me, but it's human nature. Like we talk about Peter, you know, it's, those are the little things that are, that add value. And, and you're, you know, you're a rock star in that department, man. I'm, I'm just, I was on your, co- I was just following you. You know, I saw what you did with ADS and Atlanta Dental Spa, and I was watching what you're doing. I'm like, man, I got to step it up. You know, it's it's funny you touch on the 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 kind of the experiential stuff. I literally changed kind of the so practice name the 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 byline. I literally changed it just recently to the dental experience because so much of what we crave in life now, I think I've seen the shift is, is experiential, right? Like experiences are the new kind of, I don't know, the new riches, if you will, or the new commodity of, of what people seek. And just like what you're saying, I think we're aligned in that is, is that you, the experience starts from the internet and it continues when you step in the waiting room. And then obviously it continues clinically when you go back for the great clinical experience, but it's all people crave the experience. Yeah. And one thing that I totally agree with you. And one thing you have to realize is that because there's some people, you know, that are listening to this podcast and are saying, ah, that's not, you know, they're saying you don't need to have great dentistry. We're not saying that. What we're saying is that you need to do all this all and the have totally. the clinical you expertise. You got to have the chops to back it up clinically. Right. From all your right. But if you yeah. could, you, there are guys out there that practice, you know, in places that clinically are the most masterful technicians ever. And they're mm-hmm. going out of business. Because they yep. don't understand this stuff. They can do roundhouse bridges faster, better, more beautiful, and more exact than, than some of the most famous practitioners. And they're literally going out of business. No one knows about them. Because they don't understand or appreciate what you're saying right now. And, and that's, I mean, that's, I mean, one of the goals of this, this talk is like help people realize this stuff is critical. It's absolutely critical. The, the economy and the, your patient base is changing so radically that you won't even have a chance to get up at bat if you don't start paying attention to stuff. I mean, I think this is a great segue into kind of talking about like the the social media aspect because you know that's more of an experiential technology and and kind of how you were talking about some guys who are excellent at you know doing the roundhouse bridge, but if no one knows about it, what good is it, right? Like, what right. good is it for the growth of their practice? I have to I have to confess that like honestly, years ago, I remember being on a stage, literally saying how I didn't think social media was going to be a big aspect in my practice because I looked at it the wrong way. Meaning that I, I said, oh, I'm supposed to just aggregate fans on my webpage and that's going to make me drive business. And I didn't really get it, honestly, I have to say. And then kind of there was a paradigm shift and I was like, wait a second. So social media is really needs to be more of a I'm not trying to aggregate fans on my page. Yes, it's good for distribution of a message, but I really want to get more into 
their feed and right and get right. into their friends. And then it was it's like engagement. a huge light bulb moment. Yeah, it's, totally. It's a total different thing. Everybody yeah. approaches social media in the same schema as advertising. Advertising is about pushing out a message, broadcasting a message. The reason why it's called social media is because it's interactive and engaging. And it's a con- all we do is provide a platform to for people to engage. You know, I see all these Facebook pages where, you know, they have the automatic feed of their review site du jour, you know, got another review, got another review, and you see them spamming up their news feed and no one's liking or clicking. So if you have amazing amounts of content, but no one's clicking, you're really just running like a yellow page ad. So it's better you have content that that breeds engagement, you know, a picture of your team or something like that, and you have 100 clicks on it, than a bunch of pushing out message. You know, I always say in my lectures, social media is not about push advertising. It's not the $500 off. It's about pull. What do you think of this? Check out this. This is a, you know, meet the team Tuesday, or here's a pay, you know, here's a person or a hygienist that's engagement. So, um, yeah, it's more about branding too, I think, in, in that you're not really like saying like, oh, here's a special offer of the day. It's more about, hey, look how much fun we're having. Look at our culture. Look at the work we did. You know, it's not so much, you know, I agree with you. It's not so much asking for you to be a patient. It's just like, hey, check us out over here. Yeah. Um, well, if you think about it too, Peter, when you ask people for something, when you put an annoying message up, it shows up on your newsfeed. We all have that annoying Facebook friend we went to school with and every day they post like, got cut off in traffic, SMH, you know, life sucks. You just unfriend that guy because you don't want him spamming up your newsfeed. <laughs> Same thing with like the, you know, the $200 off thing. Like your newsfeed will have, if your practice is saying like, you know, $200 off every day, it's going to get annoying. You're going to unclick. You're going to unfollow that practice. So it's got to be something engaging. I, w- I always found that maybe even keeping it less dental. You know, we put up before and after pics of teeth and it doesn't respond as well as maybe just a feel-good quote. You mm-hmm. know, a feel-good quote, people will like and share more than a before and after of a smile. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? You're right. You have to be very – I always tell people there's a ratio of when I talk about social media now, not that I'm the authority because I just told you that I was poo-pooing it years prior. But there's got – I think I look at it as a four-to-one ratio. So I put out things that are of, of value or interest or made someone laugh that's either non-dental or dental, whatever. But it's – and then I'll and then, then I'll do four of those and then I'll do one maybe before and after or something that, that highlights the work that we do, right? Yep. So I think that ratio is a healthy balance rather than just posting like before and after all the time or advertisement all the time, like, you know, create some value or humor or something in that person's life that's following you. And then you can show them kind of what you do. Like, oh yeah. Um, It's funny, like you and I can look at content now and know what's going to work really well. So that human experience, the pictures, you know, visual or video, you know, pictures or video. I mean, it does so much better than Got another review, you know, who cares? Yeah. I know you're great. You know, I actually want to ask you kind of a, tr- do you think that social media can be outsourced to a company that is not in your practice? You know, I get that question a lot because I, I lectured um, recently in Denver and uh, I was lecturing to an older demographic of dentists and they felt overwhelmed about this. Like, who do I hire? What do I do? And I said, well, doc, do you mind showing me who your team is? Or is your team here? I'm like, yeah, you know, I got three of my, you know, five girls here. So the three girls all raise their hand. They happen to be like, you know, 28 to 35. I'm like, are, mm-hmm. is any, are any of you not on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat? And literally all three were on all three sources already. So I said, doc, with all due respect, these people are in your office. They're on Facebook all day long. You're paying them. It's just not your Facebook page. So what so I want true. you to do. 
there, you've already got a social media geek in your office. You just didn't, you haven't hired her for the position yet. So just find out the person who really, that's part of their life. And for, you know, I think like 98% of millennials, maybe not Facebook anymore, because that's for, that's for guys as old as us, Peter. Um, but, yeah. but Instagram and Snapchat we'll and all that, they're, they're on that already. So all you have to do is say, hey, this is what I want from you. Can you do it? Can you generate the content? And what we do for content is actually kind of interesting. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. We have a closed group on our, for our Spodak Dental team page. So we have an invite-only group for Spodak Dental team members. So we have you know 60 people on that team page. And we, we constantly put pictures up, anything we see, any cool experience. And then we cherry pick, or my social media person who happens to be in-house, cherry picks those, those ones that she thinks are best and then puts that on the outward-facing Spodak Dental Group patient page, like the public page. Oh, so a- the nice thing about the team page is like, you know, if you're closed or something, you know, if there's a missing item or, you know, a room wasn't cleaned up perfectly or some, someone left dishes in the sink in the lounge, it's a way to kind of, it's our message board, it's our online message board, you know, so we can share information. Hey, remember guys, uh, Thursday morning's early huddle or, you know, it's Mari's birthday. Like Rather than just bombarding with, with email after email after email. Yeah, it's just, it's just a little closed group for us, for the team members. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's a great idea. Nice pearl. I'm writing that down for me. You know, I, I would def, I would contend and I'm going to go on a limb and I, I'm going to say that it can't be done. Not, I, I'm going to say it can't be outsourced to, to a company that doesn't know your practice, doesn't know your culture. Well, um, then you're going to get canned content and stock content it totally, sucks. So that's what I should say. Can it be done? Yes. But I think you might as well take that two or $300 that you're charged and light it on fire because I would much rather see something authentic and internal. And, you know, like you said, you have, you have social media ambassadors in your practice already. You just don't, you don't know it. So we as dentists sometimes just need to get out of the way. And that's kind of what I did in my practice. You know, the, these younger people are so much better at it. You know, I, I kind of, I guess I could say I quarterback because I know what things want to see, but, but I put them in charge of saying like, Hey, let's be fun and, and show, show everybody who we are. But I don't think it can be done. I really don't Greg think it can be done by a advertising firm or not one that I've come across anyway. And, well, and I've I, tried I several, think, you know, there, there's companies like my social practice, for example, they, they generate content, which I, I personally don't use their content, their, their canned content. Because I have a lot of Facebook friends that are dentists and I, I follow their pages and the day they release the canned content, it all comes out across it. So you'll be penalized not only from Facebook but from SEO standpoint from Google for duplicate content. And remember, Facebook and social media goes into the algorithm which ranks for SEO for search engine optimization. But and that's a, as, only growing. That's you know, yeah. as you know, it used to be a smaller I mean, no one obviously knows what the algorithm contents are, but you know, the smartest minds speculate that that's a that's you know, it's probably as high as a third, you know, if you, ter- if you take all the things that go into the bucket of ranking you in terms of d- the top 10 results or the, even the, even the local that social has now become about a third of the pot in terms of, of the ranking factor algorithm. I know this starts, we start getting deep into that, but I totally agree with you. And it used to not be right. It, well, Google it really, used to be in competition with Facebook, with Google plus, and they just kind of abandoned that. They realized they couldn't beat it. So they're just joining up with it. But, um, yeah. you know, the, the other part of it is not just the content, but just to kind of finish that thought on, on the companies that are out there, you can use them because in some way they give you, you know, the social signs and they give you ideas and they have training for, you know, that, that person that's going to be your social media guru inside your office. But if you're just going to hire a company and have them post directly to your page, I think that's a total waste of your money. Yep. Total waste of your money. 
I agree. Then, so yeah, so that that's a better business model. Like here, almost like social media training would be a way better model than hey, just outsource it because yeah. um, number one, it'll be expensive in perpetuity and not as effective. You know, I mean, we so can't we can't leave the topic of social media uh, without touching on the check in or you know having a patient check in because really that that's such an important part of our practice because you know when you ask a patient to check in and they do so all their friends that and all the followers that are following them will then see that there's a vicarious endorsement you know Joanne goes to your office and Joanne's a pretty picky person so i bet you they're good so it's basically it's a great vicarious endorsement of your practice so we incentivize our patients we have stickers around the you know check in for two free tubes of whitening or stuff like that or i know you have a really cool idea with the checking in or writing a review and they can win a day at the Ritz Carlton i know i think you shared that with me right yeah yeah so we do what we do is we uh, do kind of a raffle every month and and people can earn tickets via what action they take to help promote us. So if they, you know, lots of times they'll just take a picture in the operatory, they'll take a picture of the waiting room, post us, tag us, you know, we have instructions on how to do it. So that to me is the holy grail of, of social media, because just like you said, I'm not trying to aggregate friends, but if I can get into Mrs. Jones, who's my favorite patient, I get to her distribution of her, you know, the, and the average person has 321 friends on Facebook. That's what they say. So if I can get distribution to her 321 people that may not have been exposed to Atlanta dental spa, like, holy cow, that's some that's value gold. to you, right? Gold. Like that is it. And so and that know, was the thing is it's free that, that it was free. Cause I mean, free. it's incredible. It's incredible. The most effective marketing tool that is in our possession now is absolutely free. It's crazy. And that's why the experience is trumping everything because, you know, advertising is really you pay someone to craft a story about you. But when you make an experience, the story is the experience. Like you can either be remarkable and create an experience and that story is crafted by your experience or you have to pay an outside firm to make up some BS about you to make it sell. So the experience is the authentic thing that makes it happen. It's interesting. Man, yeah, this is just, I can't agree with you more. It's, it's yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on, on all this. Can Let me go back to, I feel like we skipped over the building and I feel like it needs a little bit more love sure. because to me, you know, one of my passions is just, is creation or whether that's kind of just creation of a, of a building or practice or something, but I love seeing, I love seeing something created. And so I am envious of the fact that you built such a large practice and such a pretty practice and, you know, lead certified, it's all the cool stuff. So if someone is considering building a large practice and I am considering that, so I'm really kind of selfishly asking this, do you have tips for construction or hindsight is always 2020? What can you tell someone who's either about to build large or small, any hindsight Craig Spodak tips? Oh, that's a toughie. The first thought, the first thing I'd like to say is that you've got to have a purpose behind it because it's an exhausting process and it's going to be the road, the road through it is going to not be as direct as you anticipate. There's going to be a lot of setbacks. When you're developing new property or rehabbing a building, you know, there's, there's going to be a myriad of setbacks. So you have to have some really resounding purpose as to why you want to do it. And it's got to be, it's got to be something that pulls you through it because at times it's so frustrating. You know, from my own, my own process, the bank, and you know, I, I built when uh, things were bad and no bank would touch me and I got rejected by several banks and that was a whole uh, story. No bank would touch anybody. Don't, don't feel bad. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> We, like we said the other day when we were talking, banks will give you plenty of money when you don't need it. But when you need it, yeah. you're not. Yeah. yeah. Um, where, where, where were you in 2009 is all I keep I know, asking them. I know, now I they're know. like, hey, here you go. You want any help? I'm like, I know. Yeah. I had a funny story about that one, but save it for another one. But uh, as far as, you know, 
I would say hire a dental design firm. I would not entrust, especially with a larger project. The, the, the issue becomes is that most dental office, I would venture to say the average dental office is probably like three chairs, right, Peter? Three or four chairs? I think it's, yeah, I think it's four chairs on average nationwide right okay. now, yes. So when you're going to build like that facility with 12, 15, 20 chairs, you know, you're you're in uncharted territory. So like, you know, compressors and vacuums and the way you have to run things is just it's just, it's very demanding and you need to have, I think, a dental design team. I don't think like the local Patterson branch, as much as they tell you they could, or the local Shine branch is adept to handle that. And it is hindsight as 2020. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be building a custom house right now. And there's an interesting TED talk called The Paradox of Choice. It's actually a book. But um, if you don't have the uh, time to do that, you can get the TED Talk. It's awesome. But it says, the more choices you have, the less happy you tend to be because you really are unforgiving of yourself for the mistakes that you didn't see or that you made. So when you take a building that's already existing and you retrofit it to a dental practice, you're likely to be a little bit more happy because you're like, well, I wouldn't have had that structural column there. I would have had outlets over here. My plumbing would have gone this way. But when you develop de novo, every little thing that you forgot to do will haunt you. Like, how could I forget not to have a bathroom here? So, you know, it's no one, people come in here and like, wow, this is amazing. You thought of everything. And I just kind of shake my head. I'm like, I always see what's wrong. But I think, Peter, you and I are the type of people, you know, we're just always looking for our brains are constantly moving, constantly looking at what could be right, what could be different. And when you're done with your project, there'll be at least a dozen dozen things that drive you batty that you didn't that you didn't think of. Even with the dental consultant that I hired, I was constantly on him about, you know, I really don't think I have enough storage space. It's like, Craig, you have plenty. It's ridiculous. I don't think my lab's big enough. And they wouldn't like really listen to me. And at a certain point, I default. And I'm like, look, these are professionals. This is what they do. They've built hundreds of offices. My first one, I'm going to listen to them. But you know what? I should have stuck to my guns because I had to buy a storage shed. And I had no. to put it outside for like my, because my office is kind of like the Apple store. It's all open and transparent design. So I don't have enough storage. I don't have enough lab space. I think you can never have too much storage. I think that's really important. They don't anticipate like, you know, doing the Invisalign cases we do and where do you store the Invisalign cases and, you know, supplies, the amount of supplies on hand that we have to have because of uh, the output of our facility. You know, it's not just, you know, a normal four chair facility and then you just, times it by three. There's certain things that create bottlenecks. So really look at your flow, look at your bottlenecks, plan how your patients go through the office. If you can have them going in one way, intake in one way and output in the other way, if there's some sort of circular flow, I think that's really cool. I don't think if a patient can go from the reception area to a consult room and then go in maybe the front door of a consult room, but then go through the back door of the consult room to the clinical area and then back through, I think that's cool. Like, I think mobile checkout is cool as well. So if you could Mm -hmm. decentralize the front desk, I think the concept of a front desk, although I have one right now, I'm moving away. I'm not using it. We have mobile yep. credit card processing, just kind of like the yeah, Apple who Store. Who do you, you use? Like Clo- you have Clover. Do you have you seen those those handhelds? We do don't have like Clover. We just have like the ones that are like very common in Europe. They're they're GPRS. They're not Wi-Fi based because Wi-Fi is not encrypted. So they're cell phone uh-huh. based, and they have little receipt printers. But patients, there's a halo effect when you use technology. They don't want to leave the hygiene room, then have to be marched up to some handoff to some woman that they just met and take payment you know, like some bank teller window, you know, so we have this whole elaborate front desk area. We're probably going to just demolish it and rebuild it or something else. 
but we're trying to do everything mobile now. So we have mobile people that come to the room and check them out right there. It's more efficient. And more no, efficient, I was about to say. I mean, that's a, that's a practice-building thing, number one, because you're more efficient with your time. And number two, I think technologically people say, ooh, wow, if they've been, you know, like I think psychologically people think like, oh, wow, they've done this. This is pretty cool. Then obviously they're keeping up to date with dentistry or, you know what right. I mean? Like they, it, it's a feel-good for the patient as much as it is a feel-good and efficiency factor for you. Totally. Also, yeah. just imagine like when the hygienist – you know, hygienist tells a patient it's going to be $27 for the fluoride and insurance or it's not included in today's profi or whatever. And they say, yeah, go ahead. And then you bring that person to the front desk and they have a qualm or they have an issue with the $27 fluoride charge. It, mm. Now they have to go get the hygienist and it's uncomfortable. At least if the hygienist is part there or if the hygienist is even checking the patient out, it would be very fluid. Oh, I, I did tell you. Well, no, actually, I didn't know that. I didn't hear you. Okay, no problem. Fluoride. This time, you know, I'll, I'll take care of the charge for you, but just next time I'd encourage you to have it and it'll be $27. Perfect. You know, they, you, you kind of like de-silo the management or you kind of bring that experience all into one. They don't want to have to meet multiple people. So if more people can do more jobs, it makes it more efficient and better experience for the patient. You built some, you built it lead certified. What was, what was your reasoning for that? Was it more from a cost? Are you just an advocate of that or, yeah. you know, obviously does it cost more to build that way, it, right? It did. It did. So in my, in my area in Delray Beach in Southern Palm Beach County, we're not as, at least we weren't when I built uh, three years ago, we weren't as, um, as far along in the environmental awareness in our, in our city. So the reason why it cost me an inordinate amount more because like, for example, when you mitigate your own water stormwater runoff, like if you have cisterns or water collection devices, normally you would have to, you would get credit. So you wouldn't have to build as much infrastructure to mitigate your water. So mm -hmm. unfortunately, in my area, they did not accept on the LEED certified way of like mitigating stormwater runoff, or they didn't give me any tax abatement. So I wound up kind of having a double pay. I paid for lead and I, I had to pay for the traditional approach too. But I was committed because I felt, you know, with thousands of unique visitors coming here every year, it's a way to make a stand for what we stand for. For me, our, our business is not just made to operate to generate revenue. Um, tomorrow, for example, we have 140 kids coming up from Miami. We're doing all their dentistry for free. These kids are in a really, really bad area of town in Liberty City, Miami. 80% of the families don't have cars. They, they're in dental pain. We screened 300 of them. We found all these kids that have dental pain, and we're doing it in conjunction with the Miami Marlins. And for me, it's all about giving back and doing the right thing for that purpose. So building the building, LEED certified, as much PR as it could give us, it's really about making a stand and doing it the right way. And I feel good about it. And it's just something that's near and dear to my heart, just the same way charity is too. I mean, doing good is good for business. But at the end of the day, if you're blessed enough to be successful, you have a responsibility to share it and give back. And that's kind of one of our reasons why we exist beyond just being in the tooth business. Like what the Bible says, of much who's given, much is expected, right? Exactly. That's that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, I know I've looked into lead and stuff like that, you know, in terms of building, and I'm actually renovating. I bought a building recently. I'm looking into kind of doing that. But, man, it, it really does escalate the construction price. But you just got me thinking, you know, it's you should do in it a though, bigger Peter. picture, right? It's, it's, it's it. the right thing to do for the younger generation, the patients, you know, it's 
it's it's the right thing to do if you can if you can manage it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna revisit that honestly based on kind of the things that you've even said. So I appreciate. Well, it. you know the thing is there's an ambi- ambiguous idea about green. I'm using finger quotes when I say green. Everybody can say we're green. We're green friendly. You know, green means you have a couple of house plants. You know, in your in your building. Mm-hmm. But the U.S. government mandates elite certified building goes on a on a point system. And yes, there's a whole bunch of you know, there's the U.S. Green Building Council. There's you know, LEED. There's all these different agencies. But the real, the gold standard as far as the way to certify and qualify and quantify how green or how environmentally sound your building is is LEED. And uh, you can squeak over the line of just LEED certified. You don't have to go for gold like we did. You know, we had to put in these 0.8 gallon per flush toilet bowls to get our gold level. I had to pull them all out because they weren't working as toilets. So, I mean, at a certain point, I think the chasing the different, you know, certified silver, gold, platinum, I don't put as much weight into that. I think if you're going to rehab a building, you're probably, and you're going to follow local building codes in your your municipality, to go the extra little step to just get certified is going to be so minimal in cost, but such an outward commitment to your patients and your community that you care that I I just really encourage you to seek that that designation. You got to do it. That's awesome. So you're, um, you know, talking about your building a little more, your building is on a, a pretty busy road, right? Yeah. Yep. I believe it's a divided, like a divided, no, not a highway per se, but it's a, you know, four lane divided road, right? Yeah. It's actually six lanes, three lanes uh, six east lanes. and three lanes west. Wow. We have uh, 55,000 cars. Actually, that statistic is from 2011. But when I bought the property, it was 55,000 car trips between nine and five every day. My gosh. I'm just like, so, I mean, literally you could, between your social and your visibility, like, do you have to do anything else? I mean, do you do anything else in terms of advertising? Well, we throw a couple dollars at Facebook. You know, we were really large providers of all on four for a while. And uh, we were doing like seminars. We were having like dinners yeah. and seminars here. And uh, our all on four business has really dropped off like like really big time this year. So we're about to start doing maybe a targeted direct mail campaign. Actually, probably want to, I was going to think about jumping on the horn with you. You could pick your brain on it. But we want to target it because all in four, as you know, is a big ticket item. And, yep. you know, if you put an article in the paper and tell them you're going to have a free dinner, you're going to find a bunch of people just coming in for free dinner. So we're going to do a more selective approach and hit some communities that are more affluent and then do a, a really nice catered dinner here. Spend a couple dollars, obviously, and do it right. So we're going to have like maybe four or five seminars for, for all and four in, in particular. No, the, the building is great advertising. You know, at one point in, in my career, I was spending double digit, you know, $20,000, $30,000 a month on like TV and all that stuff. And I was like, damn, that's a pretty big mortgage payment. So in this way, it's like your advertising and mortgage payment could be the same thing. I've learned the hard way. My first practice, you know, in 2004, my first, I still have it. But, you know, at the time I said, wow, I, you know, I had to buy, I bought the building, but it was in an office park. And I didn't think like, this is really going to be a, a handcuff to me later in life because it has, it's grown up now. You can't see it from the road. It has zero visibility. So all the traffic that's driven has to come through my own, you know, my own methodology. And I have, and my other practice and in, in has great visibility, not as great as what you're describing, but you know, there's a huge difference in, in the visibility of what it makes for your practice. And literally like my standard going forward will be, if it's not visible, I'm not doing it because you know, that I feel very strongly about it just because I've had some, some testing, you know, personal testing done 
on that. Yeah, I mean, look, um, let's let's take cues. You know, success leaves clues. Take your look at CVS and Burger King and McDonald's. They want hard corners. They want busy street corner corner uh, lots where they have traffic both ways. I mean, Heartland does amazing demographic studies of traffic. You're not going to see a Heartland tucked away in an office plaza unless it's a uh, uh, one that they acquired, but if they do one of their de novos, they have big blaring signs, backlit signs. Howard Fran talked about that a long time ago, the backlit sign. Yeah, he's really. always been a big proponent of like spend your money on your signage if you're in a place. And that's I think that's great advice. Just like you said, if you're spending the the mortgage or the money that you could be using from, you know, billboards or TV or whatever in just a visible place, you could build yourself an amazing, amazing facility. I right? know. On just that debt service that you're, that you're, yeah, yeah, you're not tied to that debt service with TV and radio, but if you pulled it out, then obviously you, you lose your lifeline. So I just think it's awesome that, that, you know, you do, you have that and you kind of saw the difference was the practice that the one that you guys came from with your, with your father, was it in the same location or did you tear it down or it was was okay. It was on the same street, just about a mile down the street, down the street, but the building was kind of set back, but we had a backlit sign, but it, it, you know, the building is really the physical expression of, you know, who we are. So if you had to guess, like just new patients there and new patients now per month, what would you say is the Delta or the, you know, what has uh, been the change? Maybe 30, 30% just from 30% that. just from, you know, I had a buddy who built a pediatric practice and I asked him the exact same thing. And he said, he said 30% from doing nothing different other than having visibility and a larger, you know, larger presence on the road. He's at 30% right off the top. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, that's been proven. I've looked at like Wells Fargo statistics and stuff like that because they're, they're big into loaning people money for dental practices, but that's, that's typically what it does do. Plus it energizes everybody. You know, when you're, when you're building another building, you're moving to a new location, your team's all excited. They're going over there with hard hats. They do the groundbreaking. So you, you can't discount just the physical, it's not just a physical move. It's an emotional new beginning. It gives people hope. One of the most powerful human emotions is hope. And when you tap into that, people are excited and the patients feel it. It's, it's all about that. And that's another reason why we went with the LEED certification. You know, studies show that people are more productive in environmentally friendly buildings. People are more productive when there's better daylight, you know, when there's more access to windows and glass. It's, um, and, it just, and when it they see you better. investing in, in them, so to right. speak, I mean, a facility, it, it yields job happiness, right? Or uh, job satisfaction. It, it contributes to that, I should say. So other than, other than obviously a new patient increase and obviously a revenue increase because of that, what other value did you see maybe from the construction or your, what other, what other value did you see come to your life? And I know you alluded to kind of now you're able to do a little more charity or charitable works, you know, the lead contribution, but what other value did you see come to your life because of your decision to scale your business? I can, well, I, mean, I can answer that for you actually. Cause just knowing you, I can almost answer that question. I would say that it's given you ability to, and you correct me if I'm wrong, given you the ability to do what you want, meaning in the confines of dentistry, you love to do Invisalign, right? And yeah. now because you scaled, you have people that support the stuff that you don't have to do. So you don't have to be a jack of all trades to every dentist who comes in your door. You yep. can now do the things that you want. Is Absolutely, that- one of the benefits. Absolutely. I mean, okay. it's also what, just you I'm, I have question. no. It's so fulfillment. <laughs> it's fulfi- no, no. That's an absolute. You know, that's in the top two or top three. But I, I was looking more like a, you know, like more 
fulfilling standpoint. Like I love being around people. I love having, I love mentoring. So now I have that opportunity to have, you know, oral surgeons and young dentists that are coming in. I get to, you know, I get to do more. I get to create more. I have more patient visits. I have more team members. I like people. I like to be around people. And it also challenged me a lot. You know, I built this thing and I was like, oh my God, how do I fill it up? How do I make it work? And I shared that story with you. That's a, Mm -hmm. uh, for another conversation, but it was pretty scary. I mean, I got in here on a wing and a prayer and and I had very little gas left in the tank financially, and I had to make it work. I had to hustle. And I think when you when you push yourself out, way outside your comfort zone, that's when the true growth happens. And that's what this facility's done to me. It's it's made me have to grow. So I'm the type of person that likes to grow through life. I like to be challenged. And, and Are you a risk taker per se, though? Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I've taken those psychological tests. I mean, I don't like to think of myself as one, but in hindsight, this was totally crazy. Totally crazy what I did. Um, yeah, I, just, I mean, I don't in, have... in such scale. I wouldn't call it crazy, but definitely bold. You know what I mean? Like yeah, bold, but, bold dis- but crazy in the fact that it didn't make a whole lot of financial sense. I, I just drank my own Kool-Aid. So I created a, I had a vision in 2008. I wrote it all down like as if it already happened. It was a very famous story about Jim Carrey, how Jim Carrey wrote himself a check for $10 million of for acting uh, services rendered. And he carried the check around for like 15 years until it was like a tattered piece of paper. And then Dumb and Dumber hit 15 years later and he got a check coincidentally for $10,000. I had $10 million. $10 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I had the to... same kind of like thing. I don't believe in vision building as like in the secret way, like you will it to happen. It just happens. I don't think you can sit there like there's no weeds in my garden. There's no weeds in my garden. And <laughs> you know, you have to get down and pull the damn weeds. But I did have a very concrete vision, a descriptive vision of what it was going to look like. And I believed it. I don't know if it was reasonable, non-reasonable. I didn't have the business. I didn't have the money. But I just really, really believed it. When I talked to the banks, I looked them dead in the eye and I believed it. And that's what sold them. I mean, they, they wow, this kid believes it. And they, they gave me the money. And when I got the money, it went up. I'm like, oh, my God, I guess I'm really doing it. I was, then I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, I, I'm like calling my own bluff. Like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm, I'm committed to this now. Like, whoa. Yeah, so Before it was just a test to see if I could do it. Now I'm actually right. right. No, I didn't really mean it. <laughs> Yeah, where's the where, where's the clause that I can get out yeah. of it? Oh, There's no yeah, no parachute on that one, pal. Yeah, no, I know. I had, I did have a backup plan. I told my wife, listen, there's a really decent chance that things are gonna implode on us. I said, God forbid it does, you and I are gonna pick the nicest spot in California. Cause I'm a good dentist, like the you know, like you and the, the you know, guys listening to us right now. You know, we have a skill no one can take away from us. And, you know, if you risk something and, and you completely fall flat on your face, it's a learning experience. You can declare bankruptcy. You can start over. You can pick any place on the planet you want to practice and you can be a great dentist there and make money. So I said, if everything goes up, you know, goes to hell in a handbag, I'm going to go to California. I'm going to open up a two chair facility. I'll borrow money from a friend and I'll be a regular dentist. And I'll say, at least I tried. So, you know, my, my contingency plan that was, was your contingency plan huh? was actually pretty cool. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's that. That sounds pretty cool, and it, it'll, you know, especially from someone who's sitting on such a large practice. I think you, the antithesis of that is is super cool. Meaning that you always look and say, "Wow, well, I wonder what that's like, right?" But now, now you're in this boat of running this giant ship. But the, but the yeah, grass is always the, greener. A lot of people want to. Grass wanna, is always greener. They, a lot of people say, "Man, I want to do what you did. I want to work less. I want to be free. I want to make money when I'm not there. I'm spending too much time. I'm just trading time for money." It's the same thing, man. You got a big business, something goes wrong, it always goes up to the top. 
So I am envious. I, I, I got off of a consultation call with a guy last night. I was like, man, I want to do what you do. I'm like, you know, how much money are you making? We get really detailed. The guy's making a killing. He leaves his work every day at 2.30. I get home some nights. My kids are like sleeping. I haven't seen them all day. You know, it's not always about more, more, more. You know, it's that thing we talked about before, achievement and fulfillment. You can achieve so much and be unfulfilled. You know, they're, they're not related qualities. Achievement and fulfillment are not always related. You got to do what you want to do because it fulfills you and not just chase more. Yeah. And some, I think sometimes, you know, society tells us or business, business gurus tell us, grow, grow, grow your business. But like, you know what? This brings up a good point. Like, this is not for everyone. This shouldn't be everyone's goal. And there are some people who really shouldn't shouldn't try to scale, meaning the guy that you're talking about, he's kicking ass. He's probably, he's probably loving what he's doing clinically. Like, right. But like he, why, why change that? You know what, what's going on, Peter, is there's a lot of courses and I just got back from a big seminar with, you know, a couple thousand attendees, dentist, to CEO, get off the, you know, stop trading from behind, time the, chair. For money, from behind the yeah. chair, escape the operatory. So, you know, when you go to these places like, oh, you only have one office. Oh, you're still working. Like there's some sort of scarlet letter. We have an awesome profession, man. We help people. Now, how many people make money and they don't help people? We get, we get to make money and help people. There's nothing to be ashamed of to actually just work and be a dentist. I mean, I'm still seeing patients. And I mean, one of the reasons why I was you know, two, three minutes late with you starting the podcast, I'm seeing a patient and there's nothing wrong with that. And if you don't love what you do, then yeah, maybe you want to scale, but don't be so hard on yourself. It's a great profession we have. I agree. And and I think it gives you the, you know, I hate to use the word, I love the word chops when you use it again, but I think it's just so important when you, when you talk the talk that you, that you've actually walked the walk with, with latex gloves on, you know what I mean? Like you've done it, you've done the hard work. And I'm doing it right now. As soon as we hang up, I got a patient waiting for me and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I love treating patients. There's certain things I don't like to do in dentistry. And like you said, I scaled my business a little bit. So I have people that can take that on that love that stuff. I mean, I think success is doing what you want, when you want, how much you want. So, you know, if you have to do everything, you don't like doing it all. If you could just grow your business to a place where you don't have to do all of it. And that might mean for some people getting a hygienist or maybe Mm -hmm. getting an associate one day a week. You know, but to just have to grow for the sake of growing makes no sense, man. Man, that's awesome. I mean, you may, you know, even in this conversation, you know, I, I check myself almost every time I talk to you because you, you know, mentally I'm challenging myself on the questions that you ask me sometimes, but like, it, it's just great to kind of hear this stuff because it's, uh, you know, it's just great to be authentic with yourself even and ask yourself like, okay, I'm expanding, but why? And like, right. you know, like the book why? says, you know, ask, you know, you got to know the why. And I've really demanded that of myself recently, just because of all the opportunities that have come my way. I'm like, what's the, if I do this, like, what's the why? Is it more money? Is it more time? Is it more value? Is it more security in the future? Like, you know, there has to be a why that makes sense. And it, you know, and it can't be something selfish anymore or whatever. I don't know. Right. But, you know, I know. Like, I know. It's, I talk to guys all the time. Why do you want to do it? Well, I want to go on a boat. I want to live on a boat and I want to drink champagne and have models around me. Okay. For how long? I don't know. For two months. What are you going to do then? Like, you know, this whole, my dad's 75. God bless him. He's a dentist with me. He's still working because he wants to, he, he needs to feel value. This whole idea that you retire and escape something, you're not, that's, that's cool for a couple months. But like you, you have to, you have to add value. You can't just, you can golf yourself to death. There's studies that show that when you retire and you golf, you get sick. You yeah. Need well, there's studies that show it. when you golf and retire, I think the average lifespan is literally in five years, you die. Right. Like that, that is the so statistic that, when you stop. 
Right. So is that what we're all running towards this golden time when like, oh, I'll retire and then I can live? That's, that's, that's not really, that's, that's an outdated concept with lifespans increasing. You have to stay productive, you know, and I don't, I don't, and you know, people are like, Hey, why don't you sell? What are you going to, what are you going to sell for? Yeah, what are you going to do? Craig? Yeah. What are you going to do? And the money that you're going to take, you're going to put in the bank, you're going to, you'd be lucky if you get 4%. So if your practice nets more than four or five percent, you're better off operating it, <laughs> right? And that is the truth. That is the truth. You know, I mean, I think that's contrary to what everyone is going towards. Like, like oh, I need yeah. an exit, and I need to sell to this management yeah, well, group or whatever. But yeah. you're right. Like, ask yourself what happens day one after you do that. Like, what's your life going to look like? Because it might suck, and you may want yeah. you may want your previous life back that, well, that you, you were contributing value and making good days. money. Yeah, 90 mm-hmm. days is probably where it's like, oh, this is the first day. It's like, I'm free. I'm done. I got yeah, nothing it's to awesome. Do. I'm golfing. I'm vacationing. Right. But yeah, right. three months out, you're, when you're sitting on the couch and you're like, this, what do I do today? Like that, <laughs> that is when, you know, things bad starts, bad thoughts start creeping right. in your head. So I, never mind I the fact that your wife is like, oh, by the way, you're making dinner tonight now. Because yeah. you're home <laughs> all you're, day, you know? Now you're her assistant, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> or for the ladies that you're, now you're making dinner for that. Now you're his husband. assistant. Yeah, exactly. That is so true. That's so true. Well, buddy, I know I'm looking at the clock and I know you're probably operating on the hour. I know you alluded to the fact that you're going back to a patient. I'm going to cut us off with the speed round questions. If you don't mind, I've got three yeah, quick questions. I like to ask everyone at the end. Yep. Favorite book. It's be a tough one for you. I know you're a reader. God, I got so many favorites. The one I'm reading right now, I'm loving. I love this book called Rocket Fuel. I love it. Who's the also, author? No, actually, you know, know? it's a toss-up. For me, I'm going to say Multipliers by Liz Wiseman. Multiplier. Okay. That's a wonderful okay. book. But it's my favorite du jour. If you asked me a couple of years ago, it'd be different. Favorite. Okay, great. Those two. I'm going to put those in the show, show notes. Favorite productivity app or software that you use every day that helps you be productive? Just my calendar for sure. I put everything in my calendar. If I wake up in the middle of the night, I put it in my calendar for tomorrow. I never use my head as a Rolodex or a mental filing cabin. I put it down on paper. It's but funny how often I'm getting that as people saying it, like their Google calendar is like their they're just favorite piece. I mean, it's, uh, but it's funny how many times I've gotten that. I mean, I expect it to be like, Oh, I use this, uh, you know, Slack or I use this. And, and, and that's kind of why I developed that question. But I'm, it's funny how often I get calendar, which is just ironic to me, yeah, but it's awesome. I, I would too. say the same thing. The you live and die, is- you live and die by what's, by what you're planning and you make sure you're on point for the next day. And I think it's imperative, you know, yeah, I also awesome. carry them in a little leather bound, uh, moleskin, uh, notebook. I've been carrying mm-hmm. the same one since 2011. It's just interesting to see what the challenges were back then versus now. now so your favorite tool, I'm going to call it a notebook. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe exactly. bring it back old school, old school, far, right? <laughs> in the age yeah. of technology, it's everything is a must. Because I found out that pen will fade in ten or fifteen years, so I write everything in pencil. Pencil will not. Pencil does not fade. fade. Yeah, so there's some. St- I read that, so everything I write is in pencil. Interesting. And if you and if you change your mind, you can just go back and erase it, right? And exactly. then you can say like, "What? I was a genius." <laughs> exactly. All those ideas that were bad. Just erase them. I can just erase them and change, change them to current day method, current day thoughts. Where do you see the last question? Where do you see the future of dentistry? Oh boy. So uh, unfortunately, I see corporations really making a big inroad, and I don't think that that's necessarily a good thing for dentistry because they put that they put a lot of pressure on the metrics and selling. And I think that dentistry has really prided itself on um, maintaining long-term relationships and building relationships in the community and the corporation can meddle in that. So I do see a massive amount of corporate pressure and I do see the solo practicing dentist getting increasingly pressured to either join with the corporation 
on the bat on the unfortunate side, or maybe affiliate with um, group practices like you know ones like mine, or maybe what you're doing. But that's what I do I, see for the profession. I would, yeah, I would agree, and I hope you know just like you hope that the kind of the cottage industry, mom and pop, relationship based dentist. I was just talking to another previous guest that I I think that will stay, and I hope it does. Maybe that's my own self fulfilling kind of wish, but I think that that's what's the cool aspect of dentistry, you know, and not just to get commoditized into like corporations that are f- focused on a PNL. You know what I mean? Of course. Of course. Yeah. Buddy, as always, man, I, I can't spend enough time with you. I just get so much, so much pearls and values and I, uh, I just love it. I love it. Uh, thank you for your time. If, if someone has a question based on anything we've talked about, or they want to reach out to you or whatever, I invite you to go to spodekdental.com and just check out his website. Look at his videos. They're awesome. And would you mind if someone just like pinged you with an email or something? Of what's course. Your, no what's problem. Your... Yeah. You can Facebook, get me on Facebook and instant message me at Craig Spodek on my Facebook or on Instagram, Craig Spodek, or my email, Dr. Craig, D-R-C-R-A-I-G at spodekdental.com. Open to help everybody. So, But Peter, you know, I, I got I got to extend the same level of gratitude and uh, to you, man. You're, you're doing some amazing things. You've helped me immeasurably and uh, I owe a huge debt of gratitude to you. And thank you for being who you are and doing what you do, man. It's awesome. My pleasure, buddy. I'm honored to be your friend. So uh, yeah, we'll appreciate it. And uh, yeah, go, go, go do work. I will, man. Going to do it. All right, buddy. Okay, cool. Man. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to Bulletproof Dental Practice with your host, Dr. Peter Bolden. Online at BulletproofDentalPractice.com. We'll catch you next time.